this isn't a chapter. Like, normally we start these by saying, like, chapter X. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, actually, our last chapter was chapter X. Chapter X, yeah. Chapter 10. This is going to be a recap of the first 10 chapters. We are halfway through the book's 20 chapters. We just posted uh, on Monday. Yeah, chapter X. So we thought, for all of these scores of fans who are joining now and who maybe don't have the time yet... To go back and listen to the backlog of episodes. You just want to jump in now. You just want to jump you know, in now. You want to get up to where we're at. And that, I respect that. And that's exactly what we're doing. Just jumping in. We're just going to recap. Fast forward. Recap chapters 1 through 10 for you. Is that way you know the names? Yeah. You know the people? You got the people. You got the places. You got the, you got the, the like... Two clues that they found yeah. in ten chapters. It's, it's not my understanding that they haven't found just one clue, <laughs> but but two clues. The, it is as you and I were sitting here going through. By the way, I'm Sean Hotley. I host the podcast with. I'm David Pitt. I host the podcast with. Oh no, Sean Do Hotley. We, I don't know how long this goes on. Yeah, no, did we I've just got create time. an endless circle? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, um, God. But welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Hardy and Sons podcast, if you're just joining us. If you're not ah. just joining us, then this is just a little bonus episode for you. Yeah. A little bit of uh, Pitt and Sean. Well, Pitt and Sean, yeah. And, uh, and a little fireside chat. A little midweek uh, mm, yeah. episode. Yeah. I, feel like, I feel like this is going up on a Thursday. Whoa. Going You're up on getting a Thursday. wild with this now. Bonus Thursday episode. Yeah. And uh, chapter 11 is still coming on Monday. On Monday. And Don't it's a good worry. One. Oh, it's a good one. And so if you enjoy this, which we know you will, yeah. you can just come right on along with chapter 11 and you'll be... You may miss an inside joke or two. Just a few. But yeah. I, I feel like the plot-wise, what I was worried about was that people wouldn't know the names. They wouldn't know mm-hmm. these sort of key things that are developing... Yeah, um, and whether or not you read along with a book, I don't think you need to, and I don't think any of our listeners. I don't think do. any, I think our only one. Uh, a shout out to our number one patron, Brett Hoy, was the only one reading along, in which he just told me that I don't even read now, guys. I just listen to you. He doesn't. He doesn't read the book anymore. He well, put it down. He doesn't need to read it. What he said was, he doesn't like ruining the surprise ahead of time. Yeah. Like, like if you know sort he of the twists and turns him. of the chapter. I mean, that's what we are. We're guidesmen. Yeah. We're just two great guidesmen. We're just two great guidesmen and, like, and long good lineages guides, of you, guidesmen. You should get paid. Yeah. And again, Patreon <laughs> is... I, I just posted to Instagram today. Uh, I tried to submit a nomination for a Webby Award for our podcast. There are yeah. podcast awards through the Webbies. Um, each category... So I, I chose the categories arts, obviously. Well, yeah, we're very it's literature. Yeah. So it's for fine arts. Uh, last time I checked, a book a is book, fine yeah. arts. Thank a you. A book. And, uh, and comedy, because I thought their performance as detectives is comedic. Right. That's my take on it. So uh, that total for two categories, there's like $395 per category Whew. to apply, Whew. to submit for consideration. That's insane. Yeah. That's way high. So if we want to submit for a Webby and, and claim that championship that we so dearly this, this deserve. This way everyone who's listening can say they're listening to the Webby award winning yeah, podcast. Because we can't say that right now. Yeah. We'd be lying. So if you want to help out, if you want to help us achieve our dreams, 
head over to hardyandsonspodcast.com mm. and you can there's a link to the Patreon right there and you'll be you'll be happy that yeah. you became a part of this great great empire and work of art and work of art and check out the merch while you're at it uh, oh we've so got much merch awesome new poster we have a beautiful throw pillow throw I mean, pillow from chapter 10 gracious. we got a little turn of phrase in chapter 10 yeah which we assumed is probably embroidered on a pillow in the hardy's house <laughs> yeah and so now we make you can it own a piece of the hardy's house yeah yeah um, which is amazing i want to pick up one of those pillows myself yeah yeah i feel like i want to order a lot of things out of our store and i'm not just saying that to like plug it now to our listeners but yeah it's good merch it's good merch and i just updated so if you've been waiting to buy a sweatshirt or a t-shirt i just updated all of them (sighs) where it's still that same hardy and sons logo you love right on the front but now on the back i added the silhouette of you and i the caricatures of you and i done by randy lutz um yeah, and so now now they've got this little extra wink swag on the back. And I'm so upset because I ordered my shirt probably a week before we got that. I'm sorry about that. Well, I'm not. I'm I'm gonna, I've got one of the only I've got originals. A Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, I like I'm going to draw it on the back for you. <laughs> Don't even worry about I it. I hope you do. That makes that shirt even more special. Yeah. Hell, I might even have you sign it. I might. Just with a different name, though. Yeah. I'll sign it as Joe Hardy. I want you to sign it as Joanna Man. We were thinking about we're, other. We're hot on Joanna Man right now. We were now. thinking about other bonus episodes. Yeah, and I think I don't know if it's an episode or if it's a whole season. But I was thinking we um, should write a Hardy Boys. Yeah, but make it like an old school radio show. Um, yes, get a couple yes. people to read the yes. parts, like cast it. Yes, and record, add some sound yes. effects. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm already sold. The you don't pro- have to say anything else. The problem is that's going to take it's some gonna time. It's going to cost money. And it's going to go and then time is money. Lots of money. But did you hear how excited I got about it? I did. Just imagine the audience's reaction. I think I'm going to add a Patreon tier. Oh? If you want to be part of the cast. I mean, this is genius. We write you in. I think I think it's going to be easy to cast those parts. We'll make it a limited tier. It yeah. won't be expensive. We're just looking to get some people involved. This isn't going to be a $200 tier like the no. Boy tier. <laughs> but this is going to be a reasonable tier. We would love your contributions uh, that continue to make the dream possible. And contraband. Uh, if you guys want to give some contraband, uh, we'll also be good. Yeah, either. I think there's yeah. a checkbox for contraband on Patreon. Okay, good. I didn't know. I didn't know if you if had not, that in there or not. We'll, there we'll will send be. them an email. Thank God. Well, Thank with, God. without further ado, uh, let's just go real quick chapter by chapter. Chapter by chapter, baby. Through the first ten chapters that you can uh, be up to speed here. And speaking Ooh, of speed. Speaking of speed. That was a good segue. Uh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> chapter one. The, the speed, speed demon. demon. It's so good. That wasn't planned, but that was fantastic. Yeah. I like how neither of us looked at the book either. Yeah, we, we just know this. We've memorized chapter one. Yeah. I don't know if we can do chapter two. I know chapter four, and that's about it. <laughs> chapter I one too and know four chapter for some four. reason. I, and chapter seven, I know. It's Ooh. a strange... Seven is the arrest. The arrival. Oh, ah, so I knew close. it was something. Yeah, okay. So in so chapter one, demon. yeah, this is sort of where the Hardys... Uh, they're just minding their own business, riding their motorcycles near the edge of a cliff. Yeah. They're in Bayport. Bayport, the town that this is based in. Bayport is a town of 50,000 people. Yeah. It is a town on the east coast somewhere. Woo. 
right? Ooh. Oh yeah, it's East Coast, baby. It's East Coast. It's it's a short plane ride away from New York. Right is, is about all we know. They have to fly to New York. Um, so spoiler alert. <laughs> spoilers. Uh, in chapter ten, they they fly to New York, but it's 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 East Coast somewhere. Yeah, I don't know if it's New England or or where, but that's what that's what we're working. It's somewhere at. East Coast. Welcome yeah, and to it's a Bayport. real place. I looked it up. Is it? Uh, well, I mean, I typed it in uh, on Instagram whenever we posted a photo. I said this took place in Bayport. Did it have a state that popped up? Yeah. I'll be done. Yeah. I thought it was completely fictitious. I did too. It then, could be. Maybe someone just put it in there for for oh, shoes and just giggles, on Instagram. Yeah. Someone else had Bape. Yeah, I don't know how those locations did you just say works. Bayport? Bayport. <laughs> Bayport. <laughs> Bayport. <laughs> so the the Hardys are Bayportsmen. Bayportsmen. Yeah. Uh, but so so the Hardy family lives in Bayport. Yeah. Town of fifty thousand people. Uh some farms in the area. Some sweet uh, some, farms. Some yeah. of my friends own farms. Yeah, a bunch of uh, deaf people own some farms. Deaf people own farms. Um and yeah, that includes It's all is coming important. back now. Um another quick note, uh these books were rewritten. They were they were originally published in nineteen twenty seven. Yeah. And then rewritten in nineteen fifty nine because they were too racist, apparently toward Italians, from our research. Mm. Um, we have received a 1927 version of this first book. It's considerably longer. It's like 80 pages it's longer. Book. It's got like six extra chapters. So we're going to do an episode when we finish Yeah, that compares the two, like takes a few chapters and goes, you know, chapter by chapter. Um and and we see how different it is. How and racist I cannot it really wait is. to see this. I, I'm very excited. Yeah. Uh, the I know that I looked at the table of contents. First chapter is still a speed demon. Thank God. So I wonder how much faster he goes in the That's old version. What, yeah. I'm curious if he really does run them off the road too. Yeah. But I was looking at like they're close. They're close to getting run off. 1927. Yeah. Was when the books were originally written. The difference between 1927 and 1959 is substantial technology-wise, like the cars available. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, what kind of vehicles they're working with. He didn't have a yellow jalopy. Yeah. Right? I, I mean, that'll, that'll all be changed. Yeah. Uh, so so I'm, I'm eager to see how they've updated it and how different it is. Just the illustration in the front cover seems oh, to date amazing. it a little bit. Yeah. So The anyways, lightning bolt so, so, through the butt. That no, illustration? no, no, not, not on the cover. There's like, you know how we've got in here, um, it hasn't been posted yet, uh-huh. but there's, there's artwork that alludes to a later chapter in the book. In our version, oh. there's a different piece of artwork oh. in the original. Yeah. So, oh, I got to see this. So we're going to be going through all that, but yeah. we are going through the 1959 rewrites Correct. Of, of the book. That's what you need to know. Um, so chapter one, Speed Demon, they're minding their business, um, Frank and Joe Hardy. Uh, Frank is blonde. Frank is. I thought Frank no, was I'm dark sorry, haired. Sorry. Joe yeah, is Joe's blonde. blonde. Yeah. Joe is blonde. Frank's older. Frank's a year older. He's 18. Joe's 17. Joe Frank is, is blonde. Dark hair. And Frank is questionably adopted. Yeah. Because he's got hot love for mom. He has got hot love for mom. Yeah, I don't think in the recap we have time to go into all of their strange relationship. <laughs> yeah. Suffice it to say. 
It's weird. <laughs> it's very strange. It's, yeah, it's a strange. Something's dynamic. going on with the Hardy family that we don't know like about yet. And I don't know why they left that from the 1927 yeah. version, or if they added that in '59. Like, you know what? We should make this. Creepy. We're really big on family. We're really big on family now. Let's get them real close. Yeah. So uh, Fenton Hardy is the father, the world's greatest detective, the great Fenton Hardy. Yeah. Everyone knows him. He's known from state to state. He's bicoastal, right? Yeah, around the around the country and the world, I believe. <sighs> the world God. famous. Every wigman, every, every wigman, actor, every railroadman, every railroadman—they all know the great name of Fenton Hardy. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Now I, I feel bad, Mrs. Hardy. Do we get her actual name? I feel bad for. Let's not call her Florence. They call her Mrs. Hardy. Like yeah. the, the narrator refers to her as Mrs. Hardy, not as. Any. As an actual first name, yeah. Woman. So they may have said it at one point, but she gets called Mrs. Hardy. Yeah, I know um, her as Mrs. Hardy, and that's it. Yeah, and most of the female characters in the book are involved almost exclusively with food. Yes, they're they're cooking, they're cooking. And that's about it. Cleaning and taking pills, and that's about it. Yeah, the yeah. lame ones. The <laughs> yeah. lame ones are taking pills. Yeah, I think that's fair. They're to all say. out of their mind too, except for Mrs. Hardy. She's She's not crazy, but I feel like every other woman seems hysterical in these books. Yeah. Or book. Um, so uh, before we go into the next chapters, just uh, to get to know the Hardys a little bit, they've got a pretty nice house. A and sweet house. Gymnasium? House, yeah. They, in the backyard? A, they've got an old barn in the yard that they've turned into a gymnasium. Yeah. Um, Fenton Hardy has a study, which is his office, and then he also has a room full of uh, files, uh, codes that he Codes that he's things. broken. I can't remember the third one. He's got uh, a list of wigs. <laughs> well, he's got his he's wig got drawer. This, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a tiny little bit. His but disguise drawer is what I think they called it. So, so their uh, their estate is substantial. Yeah, um, they they are well off. We he's are, doing good. We are led to believe by 1927 or 1959 terms. I think. Yeah, um, they've got a gymnasium. However, the boys still share a room. Seventeen and eighteen year old boys sharing a room. Um, it's a bit sad. Again, I think I would have moved into the gymnasium at a certain point, yeah. but that's me, and hey. uh, and I'm not a hardy boy. There are no other siblings that we know of at this point. Yeah, unless we include the adopted family or uh, uh, Fenton's other family. We have. I'm sure he's got. We other have kids. suspicions. We have theories that Fenton has other yeah. families around. But the country. as far as children that we know about that have been introduced, with the last name we haven't hardy. heard of any cousins either. I'm sure that's which gonna is kind of nice. Because, like, you know the band Hanson? I love Hanson. Yeah, those three I three mean, brothers. The Hanson brothers. Yeah. You know there's other Hanson siblings? I don't want to believe that. There are, there. I think there's like seven. Oh, no. Yeah. And so three of them are like these successful musicians. Yeah. And then there's the others. <laughs> which I think... Or the other Hansons. Actually, I don't That's know about sad. this. Do the Jonas brothers? Isn't there an extra one? Which they call the bonus Jonas? <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like I'm making this up. There's a bonus Jonas. The bonus Jonas? I think there's a bonus Dude, Jonas. I haven't heard of the bonus Jonas. All right. If not, we should create this character. Another fun fact about the podcast. <laughs> we don't do any research or fact checking. No. We do a lot of speculation. Yeah. That's how it should no be. No confirmation. Yeah. That's so, up to you as the audience member to figure so it out. So if you came here looking for that, you are uh, sorely, sorely mistaken. Yeah. This is <laughs> we shoot from the hip around here. It's hot takes. Yeah, hot takes with the hip, man. 
<laughs> we're hitmen. Um, so yeah, first chapter, Frank and Joe Hardy. Uh, oh, they're getting chased down. We start off. Yeah, there's some crazy driver. Yeah, this guy is going nuts. And he's driving so fast they can barely tell what this guy looks like. Yeah, and the boys think, how do we get away from this guy? Let's pull over to the side of the road. Which and, is a cliff. Which is a, a sheer cliff. cliff. In which they look down the cliff and say, that's exactly a hundred foot drop. So let's make sure we stand right next to it because this guy's not going to try and run us over. He'll go off the edge. Yeah, I don't want to. If, if you're interested in the dynamics of this, I encourage you to go back and listen to chapter one. Yeah. Um, I, I don't want to dive too deep into any one chapter here. Um, but this is where we learn. Uh, the cliff hubris that the boys seem to have. Yes. And every time there's danger on the road, they pull they over. They pull over. Yeah. Which, like, they're worried this guy's going to hit him, and so they pull over, which I would just think makes you a, a sitting duck. Like, a, yeah. a moving target has You've to be got harder to, to go. hit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if but, it hits you, you're going down with him. It's a suicide mission. They're playing, like, car chicken, basically. Yeah. It's cliff chicken. It's cliff hubris chicken. Cliff hubris chicken. <laughs> and so... <laughs> Chapter one, like this guy sort of runs them off the road, or whatever, and then they end up. I think it ends. They go to uh, Chet Morton's farm. Yes, and Chet has a sister Iola, who I don't think we meet till later. But yeah, uh, Chet is their friend, who the book makes. <laughs> he's portly. He's portly, and the book makes that abundantly clear. Yeah. Almost every time he's mentioned, it's the stout fellow. Yeah, it's the, he's either waddling or it's something. He's to, panting. Yeah. The narrator Chet's does not let us forget that Chet is overweight. Yes. And they're very mean towards Chet, too. Or the narrator is. Yeah. He, he isn't given uh, a lot of slack. Yeah. For what appears to be genetics. Because his father... And he is also a portly gentleman. But they say, still good looking. Yeah. Even though he's portly. Which I... Backhanded compliments. Yeah. There's a lot of physical descriptions of women and temperament descriptions of men. Yes, we get we get to know as we get to know the gang in a couple chapters. There's a uh, we get to know like their sports history and which sports they're good at. Um, spoiler alert: almost all of them, they're all good them, athletes. Yeah. Tennis specifically, so they're tennis and baseball. Get a racket or a bat in these boys' hands. You better watch out. Yeah, and they don't they don't skip practice neither. No, we. Uh, a we, good detective never skips baseball or tennis that's practice. That's another pillow. That's another pillow that's right That's another there. pillow. Uh, by the way, if anyone out there can do a good embroidery design, Ooh. let me know. That's what I, I pulled out to make that, uh, that pillow. Yeah. And I think, I think someone could do better than I did. But we'll see. I like it. It looks good. Um, so, yeah. So, chapter one, they find, out, uh, they, they, they find Chet. Chet's car has been stolen. <gasps> uh, at first, oh... As we're doing this, we, we haven't opened the books. We're just yeah. staring at each other, doing this from memory. The, the speed demon, they find a car overturned later. They're, they're riding around, um, and there's like a car in a ditch upside down, and they're like, is this is that this crazy that driver that was car chasing earlier? Us? And the only thing they saw of that driver, because he was driving so fast, was that he had, quote, a shock of red hair. <laughs> he wasn't wearing a hat. They couldn't make out the features. He had a shock, Just the shock of red hair. Of red hair. Yeah. Which, uh, it turns out, a couple chapters later, we, we start to think it's a wig. Yeah. It's a red wig. So, then Chet's car is stolen from his farm. It was in his garage. The car uh, wasn't locked, but the garage was. Or no, I'm sorry. The car was locked. The garage wasn't. The garage so the wasn't. So, the thief got yeah. into the garage. 
uh, and then probably had keys with him, extra keys, was able to start the car. Yeah. Uh, as we Never learned, explained. As we learned, key, uh, thieves often carry scores of keys with them. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That was explained. So that's how he In stole the car. In a very ridiculous manner. Yeah, which we never did the research to find yeah. out how many keys. Like, did cars back then have, like, one of nine keys? Which is, and yeah. Was that it, unique enough? Maybe in 1927, it was. I think it was, probably. I gotta imagine, I'm sure there like, was one universal the key. The precision of a, of a lock tumbler at that point yeah. was lacking compared to where it is now. They must have been easier to pick, too, to pick a lock back then. Yeah, and hot wiring, I'm sure, was like the they two had like three wires. wires. Yeah. 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 <laughs> or did turn what should I do, put the, the red one next the to the green one? No, idiot, put it next to the blue one. What happens if I put it next to the green one? Nothing. Yeah. It's fine. You're just going to switch. That's <laughs> all. You're just going to hit it against the other. So a lot of, uh, lot of uh, information we got about turn-of-the-century thieves, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, so that's chapter one. We think that uh, Chet's car was stolen maybe by the same crazy driver. Yeah. Uh, I've got to open the book now to find out I chapter two. I don't remember two. what chapter two is. Chapter two is called, come along with me as I turn the pages, The Hold Up. The Hold Up, in so, which a hold up does not occur until the last page. A hold up never occurs. Oh, it's just the re- retelling of a hold yeah, up. Yeah, so this is a, a motif of the of this book anyway and i assume it's going to be a motif of the books moving forward but so in chapter one there was a speed demon yeah. that did happen an aptly named chapter there was oh this yeah guy driving he was a car wild crazy. he was crazy chapter two they go to the police station to tell them like hey chet's car was stolen and we saw this crazy guy driving around uh and we meet chief ezra colleague another yes. name to throw out there uh and there's another police officer named con riley yeah, we, we didn't trust Khan. And he and he hasn't come back yet. So no. we were introduced and maybe he's in other books, but he was in and out. Is this the uh as as far as uh, the hold up goes, we also meet uh Kali Shaw. Oh, uh, yes, who was on the way interest. to the police station. Yeah. Uh Kali Shaw is a high schooler whom Frank dates. Yeah. So what I forget what he says, but I believe he liked his... her better than any other girl he knew. So that is a special thing for Callie Shaw. Yeah. I think we all want to be Frank's favorite girl. <laughs> I know I do. But yeah, in this chapter, they they do some lame detective work. They, they stop at a farm, and they're like, hey, did anyone see a yellow car? And none of them did, and the farmers just sort of mess with them a little bit. Then they run yeah, into Callie Shaw. Yeah, one of Shaw. them was deaf, and uh, I think that was the one that gave the best advice. Yeah, the narrator just sort of says, like, uh, you know, hey, I know what you're talking about, said the deaf man. man. (laughs) So that's what we're working with there. But so they go to the police station, and I think the thing to note here is that when they walk in, A, they interrupt a story being told by, um, who's this guy, Uh, the ferry boat operator, Ike Harity, who doesn't come up again, not an important name to remember. Yeah. But he's the ferry boat operator. He sells tickets for the ferry boat. And he's at the police station because he was held up. Somebody came in with a gun Woo. to steal stuff. And as he says, uh, you know, comes in this fellow and sticks a revolver right in front of my nose. Just a minute, interrupted Chief Colleague, turning to the newcomers, the Hardy Boys. What can I do for you, boys? I came to report a theft, Chet spoke up. My hot rod has been stolen. So this is the precedent that we work with for the rest of the chapter. For whatever reason, the police are like interested 
in these high schoolers' thoughts. Yeah. And I want to be clear that what just happened was there was a guy reporting an armed robbery where a gun, a revolver, was in his face. And as he says that, the police officer doesn't say, oh, my gosh, what kind of gun was what it? What did, did this you get man look like? Yeah. What was the anything. gun? Anything, yeah. Identifying marks. Just a second, high schoolers. <laughs> yeah. Hey, guys. Yeah. What's the haps? I wonder if he's like the cool dad. He might. Well, I feel like he was probably picked on in high school, and now the popular kids finally want to hang out with him. So he's like, "Yeah, I'm joining this clique now, boys." <laughs> yeah, I bet he plays basketball with the kids. Yeah, he's like, "Yeah, I'll come over to tennis practice." And he's got the shortest another. shorts out of all of them, too. You know he does. <laughs> Chief rocks it. He's got a mean three point. Chief, it's 40 degrees out. You sure you don't want to throw on some warm-up pants or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Nah, let's play, kids. Yeah. Do you think my quads have gotten bigger <laughs> since last time? I've been squatting. So, yeah, the, the cops trust the, these high schoolers. For some strange reason. And uh, we also get the introduction of one of my favorite characters, a short, stout man, Oscar Smuff. Oscar Smuff, who is, a, as the narrator describes it, like a self-described detective. Yeah, we're already led to believe he's not even a real detective. He's a wannabe. Yeah, and, uh, and, and as we learn, he wants this case and what becomes like this whole thing. He wants this to like get him an in yeah. with the police department so that he can be a police detective. But as of now, he is uh, a, a private detective, mm-hmm. not a good one. Yeah. Uh, in a town of 50,000 people where, where Fenton Hardy the greatest detective in the world <laughs> yeah. lives. So, man's got no chance. He's, he's got the underdog. He's got the underdog yeah. story here. Yeah, I like that. That's what I'm rooting for. I like him. that. He's the uh, he's the uh, Rocky. He's the Rocky. Yeah, he's, he's the Rocky, and, and Fenton Hardy uh, is Mr. T. Mr. T. I, I was going to go Apollo Creed, but yeah, Mr. T Apollo also Creed works. works too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And insert <laughs> Rocky. <laughs> insert your Rocky villain here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the holdup in this chapter isn't actually a holdup. It's just that quick story telling the, the police that there was a holdup. And in that, um, we learned that Ike was like, I have no idea. They were like, what does he look like? He's like, I don't remember. There was a gun in my face and, and I have no, you know what? Actually, I do remember perfectly, which is another motif of these books of like yeah. a witness being like, I, I, I didn't I see couldn't a thing. tell you. I have absolutely no memory of it except <laughs> something was unforgettable now that I think about it. Like, those words, even, I think, are used a few oh, times. Oh, they're used. So, Ike says, I remember he had red hair, but only because I saw he had dark hair, and then he bent down in the car, and when he came back up, he had red hair. And so, mm-hmm. that's when the boys are like, sounds like uh, this red hair yeah. is a wig. Sounds like that's a shock of red wig hair. And then, we just, we're all into wigmen. Like, so much of this book is about wig examinations, finding, looking for wigs, asking Double-sided about wigs. Double-sided wigs. Like, I feel like The Tower Treasure is the name of this book, but they could have called it, like, The Wig Mystery. Ooh, that is a good title. I feel like it's definitely more... Fitting. Yeah. As, yeah. as you know, later on, we don't even talk about a tower until page 50 page out of 180-something. Yeah. Um, I mean, we are chugged into it by that point yeah well like it's all about chet's stolen car and the wig yep so they're, they're looking for the car they don't find it um they they talk to the cops at the end of chapter two chapter three the threat is the threat and 
I encourage you, if you're interested in this chapter, to go back and listen to the episode because I don't want to linger inside Mr. Schwartz's costume shop any longer than I have to. Yeah. But the threat... <laughs> is so, so the boys are looking around. They, they talk to Fenton Hardy. And this is when we get into Fenton's uh, study a little bit. And he has a file. They're, they're like, you know, it's a wig. And he's like, well, you should talk to wig manufacturers, see who makes red wigs, see if you can learn anything. And he pulls out, he opens the, the W through Z file and pulls out a wig file rifles Woo! through this giant file and pulls out wig makers, manufacturers, and retailers uh, of Bayport. Yeah. And they cross out all the female ones, and uh, and there's three left. And as we note in the episode, I think Fenton Hardy is just sort of goading the boys at this point a little bit. No We're like, doubt. There's no way that this file is actually full of, like, each city's wig like a yellow pages of just wigs yeah. for the country or the world and he just happens like i don't know he's playing the dad superhero card here it seems like he was like oh they're gonna ask about this wig yeah let me quick write up this thing and then i'll oh i'm just looking through so let me go files. to the wig file files files, <laughs> files files oh here's the one piece of paper that's relevant in scores of others yeah so the, uh, the Hardys are like, well, well, we'll start checking out these wig shops. And they go to Sh- Mr. Schwartz's Mr. costume Schwartz. shop. Yeah. And this is uh, the first of a few characters who, as we know, the books were rewritten due to racism. Anyone who has a clearly <laughs> ethnic name. Would, would, oh, yeah, dude. I'm curious to find out in what light they're portrayed in other books. Yeah. Uh, you know because Schwartz was picked apart. Schwartz, like, uh, yeah. Hardy is kind of a an ambiguous last name. Yeah, it's got a, a good Anglo-Saxon feel to it. Yeah, there's str- that's a strong white name. Yeah, that's it's a strong white. That's a titanium white name. Yeah, if you would ask Bob Ross, Schwartz definitely skews. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you know where Schwartz ethnic. came from. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to tell you. But so as as we read it, Mr. Schwartz, after not knowing anything about the wig that they're looking for, asks the boys to try on costumes with him. Uh, and he locks the front door. And he locks and the front door, yeah. It takes him to the back room. Old Baggy Bones, I believe, is what... Uh, does Frank get dressed up? Oh, uh, yeah. One of them puts oversized on a skeleton, skeleton costume. costume. And then someone comes to the door and they run away because there's a boy in a skeleton <laughs> costume that scares them. So this is also the courage yeah. level of Bayport citizens. Um, I went to a costume shop. There was a man dressed as a skeleton. One other, and it's not even Halloween. <laughs> one other thing we didn't research, which I was thinking about uh, the other day. I don't know. Like, so Bayport is 50,000 people. Yeah. I don't know another. Like, St. Louis is like a million something. I don't know, like, what a 50,000 person town looks like. I've I been just at, imagine the Goonies. And, and that and that could be like that's, that's suburban America yeah. a little bit. But, like, I've been in some small farm towns that are like 2,000 people. And right. they're tiny. I mean, these things are absolutely tiny. And so, like, I wish I knew... <laughs> what kind of scale we're working with. Yeah, like, like, give me a town. Well, maybe we should do that. Maybe we should make a virtual scale. And, and But, um, again, that requires research, which we haven't done. I'm just saying... Well, maybe I've we should wondered, hire someone to do that, but not pay them. Let's crowdsource it. If you want to yeah. look up, like, a city near St. Louis or, like, an iconic city around the country that has 50,000 people, go ahead and email us at hardyandsonspodcast at gmail.com. Woof! A Send a check too. Yeah, and uh, and while you're there, go ahead and check out the Patreon. 
Um, but I, I wanted to bring up the size of the town again because this is one of a few things where like there's three wig shops in this town of fifty thousand oh, people. Little town, yeah. And like St. Louis has like I think a specialty wig shop for uh, I think particularly like women uh, who have had have cancer. cancer. Yeah. Um, and then there's like one costume wig shop with yeah. Johnny Brock's. We got Spirit and Johnny Brock's. So there's but Spirit isn't year round. Like that just sort oh, of that's pops right. Up. That just pops up. Yeah. So uh, I for guess Halloween, Johnny Brock's and uh, so St. Louis, a town of a million, has just a couple. Yeah. But this town of fifty thousand has three distinct, distinctive. And, it's not just like a Sally's Beauty Supply. These are strictly wig shops. Yeah, and, and the context for Schwartz asking them to like come try on these. Uh, baggy bones. These baggy bones. These costumes. He's like, I never have any time to do this during business hours, so it's got to be after hours. We'll lock the door. We'll go in the back so we're not bothered. And yeah. it's like, not only are there three wig <laughs> shops, but one of them is so busy every day, nonstop, that there's just no time. No time. Yeah. To, to do inventory. People so, need their wigs, Sean. So that is what we uh, we get, and then we go over to Chet Chet's house. With uh, his sister Iola, who yep. Joe has an interest Joe, in. Joe, yeah, it's his favorite girl out favorite of all. Favorite girl to date, and uh, they brought old Callie Shaw with them. Yeah, so they're little, having some little date night. Little date night, little little date, date night. Because Chet, Chet. Chet's parents are never home. Yeah, yeah. Come on over to my house, guys. My parents don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he says that, but it's implied. It's implied. There's a lot between the lines that you really have to get <laughs> yeah. into. I murdered my parents and we're eating them tonight. You want to know it? <laughs> That's the threat. You want to know what Welsh rabbit is? Try <laughs> my dad. <laughs> yeah, he makes Welsh rabbit. <laughs> Which, guys, that's a cheese. Yeah, it turns out that's like a cheese and bread dish. And we didn't kind. do that research. We were told. Thank you, Brett Hoy. Thank you, Brett Hoy. Yeah. But uh, so it ends with like a phone call where somebody tells Chet, like, hey, Stop looking for your car. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, all of the uh, characters in this book seem to have the same accent as we do their voices. Well, I think yeah. That's something else you pick up on. That's the characters. So that's the, how they sound. The voice on the other end is like, "Hey, don't don't come looking for your car. You're gonna be ha- have trouble." And Chet's like, "What do you mean?" And so Chet comes back uh, to the table. And he's like, "Hey, they threatened me." He goes, and that's. I- I've been threatened. Yeah. Stumbles to deliver <laughs> that like, sentence. That's what an old white woman would say. Chet, yeah. you're like you're like 17 years old, 18 at max. And he doesn't get and, details. And you're talking like an old white woman? I've, I've been threatened. My word. My word. Well, I never. Yeah. <laughs> Chet threw down his white gloves. <laughs> Chet pulled his cigarette out of its long holder yeah. indignantly. <laughs> Um, so yeah, like this threat happens and then they see this figure run outside and, and the chapter ends with the boys being like, Hey, follow me. There's something moving outside. Let's go chase it. Yep. And needless to say, I'm just going to say this real quick to remind the audience. They know that this man just robbed someone. He has a gun. If it's the same person. Yeah. We know they have yeah. a revolver. They've stolen at least two cars. Yes. They've wrecked one of them. Uh, and they're outside potentially the the Morton's farmhouse, and so let's just run after him as high schoolers. As all smart people do. Yeah. And that brings us to chapter four, which without looking, you could tell us is red versus yellow. Red versus yellow. You know it. Now, red versus yellow doesn't actually come up again in this chapter until really the last page where it it isn't resolved. (laughs) There's just a problem. So red versus yellow, they, uh, 
they have, they've chased this guy outside, and this is where mm-hmm. Joe, like, they go outside, and the guy they can't they can't find him, so they sort of split up. They run different directions. Where did this guy go? And Joe takes this opportunity to put his ear to the ground to listen for receding footsteps, which he could hear none. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> the classic scene. That's that's the level of detective prowess <laughs> with which we are are working yeah. here. Which at this point, uh, when reading this, we were both very upset because we thought they might be decent detectives. But now we realize that this is their methods as of now. As I've reflected on this, let's say, so he, he puts his ear to the ground. Yeah. They, they saw a guy outside run away. They saw a guy run. Yeah, they saw they, they saw him run away. They don't know where he went. But Joe puts his ear to the ground listening for receding footsteps. He hears none. But I wonder, what if he had heard some, which just oh, putting wow. your ear down in a field... Isn't a good way to hear yeah. like the vibe. Yeah, I, I hear something. I don't know where it's coming from, but there's definitely yeah, movement. If, if you can hear receding footsteps, best case scenario, yes. yes. You can't tell which direction they're going. All you can do is confirm, like, yeah. As I've been, <laughs> as I've been laying here with my ear to the ground, they're getting further away. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any extra information. I did good. I heard him. He was here. So, I heard him. He did have feet. <laughs> yeah. I confirmed the feet. Was he wearing my shoes? I don't know yet. We got to check the tread. <laughs> but they do find a gray wig. What? They're searching the barn. They find a gray wig, which is some evidence. And then additionally, they uh, they find that what the guy stole was the spare tire to the jalopy. Mm. Which the boys conclude the driver of the jalopy, whoever stole it, got a flat tire and then came back to steal to see the, the spare tire. To make sure there was. He didn't know that there was a spare tire in this barn. Which he is, went all the way back there, found a house phone outside. I don't know how common this was for him to have a phone in the barn itself. This oh, man's yeah. not calling from a cell phone. Yeah, and we get, a, a we get a little phone. life hack where they say, like, if you know how, you can dial uh, a phone from another phone on the line. There's yeah. some... This is I, I, I'm assuming that like it's basically a tin can with a string that's put <laughs> I into their ear. The same thing but, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So so they they this guy gets away, and then uh, Oscar Smuff calls, and it's it's written in a way that it's like, hey, this mysterious guy's a calling, yeah. like, and he won't tell us his name. He just says like, hey, I need to talk to Chet. And uh, it turns out it's Oscar Smuff. I don't know why he hides his name. Yeah, I know. Um, I feel like that's what I would start off with. Chet, it's Oscar's muff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's Mr. Smuff. And I, I have information as a detective that I would like to have evidence yeah. for you. And so, so Oscar's muff tells him, like, I think I found your jalopy. You got to pay me 25 bucks and I'll show you where it is. And they end up negotiating. They're like, hey, you show us where it is. And if it is the car, and then you we'll get pay your money. you 25 bucks. Yeah. And so Oscar Smuff is like, fine. Yeah. And have it your ways, boys. I'm, I'm 100% certain that this is your car. So, uh, so they go to this car lot and there's a red jalopy. What? Chapters over. And so red versus yellow. Dog. Red versus yellow is just that they found a red car. So chapter five, the hunt is intensified. And this is, I think, of the ten chapters, my second favorite chapter as far as just how useless these boys are. <laughs> yeah. just, what a complete waste of detective 
of, of detective brain they have. Well, they can really assemble a gang, and that's about it. A great gang, yeah. who we will soon meet. So we learn in the beginning of this chapter, other than wigs and listening for footsteps, another way to get evidence is by chipping paint off of cars with a pen knife. Yes. And Frank does this, and he says, like, I've seen my dad do it tons of times. <laughs> yeah, your dad's just into vandalism. And I don't know how many cars are stolen and painted yeah. at this time. Like, I, I just don't think just... it can be convincingly done without, like, a body shit. Like, yeah. if it looks like it's a professionally well, painted car. We talked about this, too. Like, check for identifying marks on the inside of the vehicle first. Put your key in it. Put the key in it, yeah. Does the key turn the door lock? No. And this brings okay. us back to we don't know about how the keys work. Maybe it was a universal key. So maybe that wouldn't solve it. But for us, it would. Yeah. Or, or look for, like, after they scratch this car, then Chet's like, well, you know, mine had a little dent here, and it doesn't have a dent. Like, oh, maybe Should scratch this car. Yeah. Yeah. Scratch the dent then, too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the dent's a clue. Stop chipping. He goes, like, 15 layers deep, too. They yeah. make it through three different colors, I think. And he's yeah, like, well, like we haven't hit yellow yet. Red, blue, and he just keeps going. Yeah. It's like a gobstopper. Oh, yeah. So, Everlasting, baby. So they don't pay Oscar's Moff anything. Yeah. Uh, it's an awkward car ride home. And then uh, they're like, you know what? We're going to go look around in every garage. We're going to search this whole dang town. Yeah. 50,000 people. They say they're going to search every uh, garage, every driveway, every parking lot. Mm. And they mm. give themselves three hours to do that. And that I seems mean, that's... like a good idea. Uh, which they only really do for two hours, and then they need a nap. But yeah, is there a lunch break worked there into this? There is a lunch break. Okay, thank before goodness. The nap. Yeah, chicken sandwiches made by Mrs. Hardy. Yeah, yeah. But world famous chicken sandwiches too. Importantly, we meet some people in this chapter. The team is assembled. Yeah, and so we've we've got obviously Chet. Yeah, Chet comes back. Frank and Joe. Frank and Joe. Um, and then we we add Tony Preto. Preto, who you and I. We're rooting. We're oh, yeah. Rooting he's the Italian stallion. He, he's Italian, clearly. Yeah. And this is where we're worried that, like, in the original books, they gave Tony a bit of a hard time. Yeah. Uh, which no he didn't doubt deserve. about it. Um, so every time Tony Preto's name comes up, like, they're, they're going around doing this search, and Tony's like, I brought a truck. His dad owns, like, a c- construction or contracting <laughs> I got business. a truck. I got a truck. <laughs> okay, like, calm down, Tony. I got a truck. But again, like, a truck is not a good... Search no. vehicle. It's What's the gas mileage on that yeah, truck? Yeah. Not a, not a smart move. Uh, but back then, truck. I think gas was free. Well, yeah, of course it was free. It was like yeah. a penny for you know a, a barrel of it. I don't know yeah. how they they did it at that time. You but. bought by barrel. Yeah. Um, so we meet Tony Preto. We meet uh, Alan Hooper. Hooper, dude. We haven't had anything from Biff. Biff, yeah, Biff Hooper. Which is like the last time we really hear from. Biff, right? Was... Uh, I think we see him at a baseball practice briefly in the, okay. in the future. But, uh, yeah, so, so Biff helps him out on this one. Uh, as is uh, Jerry Gilroy and Jerry. Phil Cohen, who, again, I cross my fingers for Phil Cohen. Yeah. That uh, as a clearly ethnic person. Yeah. Uh, Biff Hooper. <laughs> Biff is fine, dude. Biff Hoop? Hooper's a white guy. Yeah, Hooper's go right. He's, he's pale. He's, he's good. Yeah. Um, Big Jerry, Jerry Gilroy, also probably probably just a, a clean cut American boy. Yeah. Um, and they're all students at Bayport High, uh, which is where the boys go to school. They're on the baseball team. Uh, they play tennis. Uh, this is this is the crew. 
And so they help one day looking around in all these cars. Or, or look, yeah, looking around in cars and garages. They find nothing. They go to Willow, Willow Grove. There's a park there. Yeah. Uh, and they have a picnic lunch, and everybody falls asleep. Yeah. They eat chicken sandwiches. Like, well, I'm full. We should take a little nap. That was hard search. Hard work. And while napping, Joe's like, you know what? I'm not tired. <laughs> yeah. I don't need a nap. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. He's, he's the young one trying to make a, yeah. a name for himself. And so he wanders into the woods in Willow Park alone. Yeah. Uh, and finds a tire. Whoa. And he, he looks at the tread on the tire and is like, I recognize this as the same tread as Chet's car. And then he yell, comes running out of the forest yelling, I found a clue. So we add our second clue. We've got a wig. And we've got a tire at this point. Yeah. We've got a gray Joe wig recognizes and a tire. As a tire that has the same tread as Chet's tire. Yeah. Which gets back to the same question of like, how many keys were there? How many different kinds of tire tread were there? Yeah. Like, and how many wigs were there? I mean, that, that had to be an oddly specific tread, too. To like maybe in the tread it tread said Chet's like. name. I don't know what my tread looks like. I've had the same car now for like two years, three years. Yeah. I, I don't know what my tread looks like. I change my tires so often, too, and I, I don't ever check it. Just make sure it's good tread. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the shape of it. I don't it. know the shape of my tread. And I don't know that if I saw, like, my tire track that I would be able to quickly, like, look looking at a tire and yeah. looking at the tread because it's like an opposite relief of it. It's different. I, I don't know that I could quickly. It's like imagining how you could put a glove on the wrong hand or something like yeah. that. Like it's just a complex space and logic problem. <laughs> that uh, I'm a smartman. Yeah, I'm a smartman myself. I went to college, uh, and I can't quickly do that. A degreeman. I'm, I'm a degreeman myself. Wow. And if I can't do that, yeah, I struggle to think that these. Uh, borderline competent high schoolers uh, would be able to do that. But so, Joe's pretty confident he finds his tire. I got a clue! I got a clue! Which takes us into... Chapter 6. Another reason to go back and listen to all the old episodes is that we have just thoughtfully prepared rhymes. Oh, yeah. We end each chapter with something that rhymes with the next chapter number, and... It's impressive. It's very impressive. It's impressive. I, yeah. And we don't actually truthfully think them through. I've we had, get to it at the end and we're like, I don't remember whose turn it is. I've had people approach me at the grocery store and say, like, you know, your podcast, you didn't write these books. You didn't write. Isn't it kind of cheap? You're, you're not, like, you know, creating new stuff. You're sort of reacting. And yeah. to that I say, A, it didn't happen. And B, isn't it... <laughs> We are writing content. We write a rhyme. Yeah. Every episode, there's a rhyme. There's also custom artwork done for each yeah. episode, which yeah. is relevant to the chapter. Um, custom vocal training that you and I have to go through rigorous classes. Yeah. To get into We've this spent unique caricature work. Yeah. It's not easy. And we are method voice actors. Yeah. We put our body through a lot to reach these voices, too. <laughs> I, I gained 20 pounds <laughs> to do Oscar's mom's voice. <laughs> really, over the holidays, as, as, as we learned about Oscar's muff, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to do this guy's voice. You got to put the weight on. <laughs> you got to put the weight no on. No one's going to believe that that's how no, Smuff's you can voice hear sounds it. as a skinny man. Yeah, you could hear it in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. <laughs> and then to do Joe, I've got to just shred yeah. 35 pounds. And man, I'm We all get on motorcycles place. before we do their voices, too. That's what you don't see. We pause the podcast, go outside, do a do couple a rounds laps. around the block. Do yeah. a few laps, yeah. Get into it. Get back into it. Oh, hey, guys. I'm Joe Hardy. So chapter six is the robbery, and this is really where... Uh, For some reason, I wrote the swampy clearing. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Oh, no, that's... Joe, that? Well, the first sentence, Joe Hardy quickly led the way into the swampy area as the other boys uh, trooped yeah, yeah. along. And then they, they come into a, a clearing. But so it turns <laughs> out... The swampy clearing, dude. It turns out the car... Is right, it's right it's, there. It's like a stone's throw from the tire. Yeah. So they recovered Chet's car. Yeah, he thinks he found the biggest clue, this tire. Uh, little did he know, he just had to look forward five feet to find the whole car. Yeah. Instead, he ran out yelling, a clue. A clue. <laughs> I've got a clue. I've got a clue. But so they, they look and they find some footsteps. But it turns out the footsteps are Chet's. <laughs> they're, they're Chet's shoes, like his sneakers. They're uh, recognized by the tread. Yeah, which they recognize. <laughs> but they think this, this this thief is so smart. Yeah. He put on Chet's shoes so that they wouldn't be able to You're track his know my shoe size or my tread. And this is another thing that we've added to, like, how many tire treads are there where this is so unique? Yeah. And how unique are boot prints where you can see one and be like, that's our guy. Yeah. This is this is the boots where oh, he this has is to Billy disguise Jean's boots. His his footprint. Yeah, um, all you gotta do is take it to the world famous boot shop and say, "Have you seen this tread? Have you sold anyone this specific shoe?" I would never forget a tread. I would like never that. forget it. Oh my god, that's a Bill O'Brien tread. <laughs> so we uh, we we recover the car. They hop in the car and they ride into town and. They're struck by the fact that no one in town is paying attention to them <laughs> yeah, for they... having recovered this car. And it turns out... It's... I imagine them driving by. They got some hot tracks going on, like rock and roll. They're all fist pumping out, out the, the window. window. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah, guys, yeah! No one's looking. No one's excited. And why not? Because the Tower Mansion has been robbed. Huh? Good night. Oh, my goodness gracious. Page so, 50. Page 50. We finally get the first mention of the Tower Mansion. The Tower Mansion. The Tower Mansion. Yeah. We also meet uh, the proprietors of the Tower Mansion. So the Tower Mansion is just this big mansion up on a hill that sort of overlooks Bayport. Everyone knows about this. Yeah. And a retired army man uh, heard Applegate. That's heard. That's heard. Not H-E-R-D, but... H-U-R-D, like turd with an H. Uh, turd Applegate, Herd Applegate, uh, and his sister Adelia live in this house. And it turns out that their safe was broken into by someone who knew the combination. Yep. And they stole what we, we did actually look up twice, the uh, money conversions. Modern day money, about $400,000 worth of, of jewels and yeah. securities. Riches. Good man, yeah. riches, um, and so they uh, they they accuse. Heard Applegate accuses Henry Robinson, who is the caretaker of the land. Caretaker, um, and turns out the Robinsons like live at the mansion. They're sort of servants there, yeah, full time. And now they have a son. They have a son, Perry, 
AKA Slim. Slim Robinson, and that's a good friend of the Hardys. He goes to Bayport High. Yeah. He's a top 10. He's top a top 10 student. Very, very smart. Yeah. Uh, all his teachers think he's going to be an engineer. He's going to go wow. off to college. Yeah, he's going to make something of himself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's not going to work in a grocery store. We know that. Yeah. So, uh, heard Applegate is saying, like, Henry Robinson. He he stole this. He he knew the combination to the safe. He's the only one yep. who could have done it. It had to be. Uh, and Henry, Henry just paid off. Heard. Yeah, Henry this came loan, in with some money. Nine hundred dollars, I believe it was. Right. Or yeah, like, he had borrowed some money and paid it off that day. Yep. And so her, that that's why I heard Applegate is saying, "Well, like, where'd you get the money, bud?" And Henry Robinson's like, "I can't I'm tell telling you. you. Yeah, I can't tell you. I'm not gonna tell you where I got my money. Don't you worry about. It. I can tell you one thing. It was legal." Yeah, that's all and that's all you're getting. It. I'm I'm a prideful man. I'm not gonna let you know where I get my monies. So uh, this chapter ends with uh, with Slim, like asking the boys for help and saying like, "You gotta help me. My dad's innocent." Yeah. And so, chapter seven, the arrest. Spoiler alert: uh, Henry Robinson gets arrested. Boom for for the crime because Herd Applegate calls and says, "Hello, police station." And then they send a cop car and they arrest this yeah. guy. All on a whim. There's yeah. no evidence. It's a There's witch no anything. Uh, Henry Robinson does admit that he knew the combination to the safe. Yeah. He found it on a piece of paper. And this is another one of those big clues, which with the Hardys, I'm like, how are you guys this dumb? Yeah. But he says, uh, making his case to Fenton Hardy, he's like, look, if I stole it, why would I tell you that I knew the combination? I, I told you I knew the combination. And if I had stolen it, I wouldn't have told you that I knew the combination. He's right. Then Hardy's like, that's a great point. He's yeah. innocent. Yeah. I wish that Fenton represented OJ. Yeah. That's if I thing. killed her, here's how. Boom. That's what this is. This was just OJ before it happened. Wow. 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 So, uh... That's that's the arrest chapter. In this, we meet Slim's mother, uh, who is lame. Uh, she's a, a gentle, kind-faced woman. Uh, and Slim has two sisters, 12-year-old twins, Paula and Tessie. And they find out that Mr. Robinson has been arrested. He's going to jail. He loses his job. Mm-hmm. They have to move out. Yeah. This all sort of happens. Um, she faints when they tell her yeah. that, that her husband's been arrested. Bust out the smelling salts. Which, some smelling salts and It seems like mom medicine. faints quite a bit, and she's definitely being taken care of by her two daughters. She's lame, and then she does have uh, medication that she needs to take. Which they don't keep near her, because she faints, and then they have to go find it. Yeah. Which seems, again, a little yeah. misguided. Yeah, come on. Um, so, uh, so Slim's like you know talking to the Hardys, trying to, to help here. Um, and remembers that somebody was he saw somebody like lurking around the grounds a couple nights ago, and that oh. the uh, the combination for the safe was written on a piece of paper. That's how Henry Robinson learned it. Yeah, it had like blown onto the floor, and he had this strange long story. Well, what's about, this? Yeah, I assumed it was the numbers to a combination, and maybe that piece of paper flew out the window and was yeah. found by a. It was tramp. a drafty night. Um, so it ends with, you know. We'll try to help you, Slim. Yeah. But your, your dad's been arrested. Um, they do ask if uh, if the guy that he saw the tramp outside had on a hat or a cap, and he couldn't see his face, couldn't remember any, anything about him. Um, so, chapter 8, unless you have anything else on chapter 7. No. 
Chapter 8 is an important discovery, and again, it's not. Uh, <laughs> just yeah. keeping with the yeah. theme here. Uh, but there's a, now in the post office, there's a $1,000 reward. And that's big money. From Herd Applegate, for anyone yeah. who can give information leading to an arrest uh, of who stole all of the uh, As who stole the tower treasure. Mr. Robinson is in jail right now. So he's putting up this ad about trying to find the person who stole it as he has someone arrested for stealing it. I never thought about that, but yeah. Yeah. Hurt Applegate is not necessarily a reasonable person. He is not a I good man. He's idea. very bipolar, and we'll find that out later on. Yeah. So uh, this is when we also get into some strange things with uh, Fenton Hardy is trying to solve this case, and the boys are trying to solve the case now for the hundred or for the thousand dollar reward. And Fenton says, like, you know, you boys and I are rivals, and yeah. like we're going to compete. Which uh, we You're also learned with a in man's this, life here. Yeah, we also learned in this chapter uh, that. Slim's going to have to drop out of high school and get a job because his dad's arrested. They yeah. need money. They, they've got to pay rent now. They had to yeah. move out into a very poor neighborhood. Yeah. Dad's in jail. Up for the dad's probably not going to have a good time when he gets out of jail, if he gets out of jail. Yeah. And, and, and they're worried that if he does, he won't be able to find work because yeah. he's got this reputation as a thievesman. Yep. So Slim's taking care of the family. He's working at a supermarket. But don't worry. Within 50 years, he thinks he could be running it. Yeah. He's got that optimism. He, yeah, he's got the fifty-year game plan optimism. that we all, you know, put together. Um, so, hey, but chin up. So <laughs> eager for the thousand dollars, Frank and Joe head back to where they found the car. Maybe there's some other clues there. Yeah, uh, and they find some footprints that are just six-inch circular marks at regular intervals. And they, do you suppose the thief tied pads onto his shoes to keep him from making footprints? Let's see where they lead. So here again we have – I wonder if this guy has like teeny, teeny <laughs> tiny feet. Just like infant feet yeah. with, a, with a grown man's body and like his shoes are these teeny tiny little <laughs> shoes. And so to mask that, he has to go really like yeah. to great lengths. He's got to, like a really high instep too. He's got ballerina feet yeah, as well. Just so crazy yeah, arches. He's got to put these giant circular pads on there. So he's Otherwise, like, maybe he's got for... super square feet too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so he's like, what's the opposite of a square? They're going to start calling Big him... Big circles. Big circles. It's like the doll feet thief. Yeah. Like, that's his calling He's got so. pancake feet. <laughs> Silver dollar what toes. If, what if he's an elephant from the waist <laughs> down? And those are just as normal. We don't My know. Hooves. We My don't, hooves. We don't know. We may find out in the second half of the book. Elephants wear wigs. Um, so, yeah. Uh, they they <laughs> find a jacket feet. and a hat. Oh yeah, it leads him to this. There is it in a cave or something like that? No, it's just a, in, in a clearing. Uh, oh, they that's they right. find these circular marks, and then uh, I, I'm bleeding right into the next oh, chapter. Yeah. Another chapter clue, nine. and this time it's a swell one. Yeah, there's a lot of hubris, and they get very excited for very bad clues. It seems, and then they get very, very uh, confident about their hunches. Yeah, that's that's how I would describe. They got great them. hunches, though. Yeah, they do. They got hunch hubris. They, that's really, I feel like, the theme of, of, these, books. of these books is that yeah. they start to think something. And at this point, they're assuming that whoever stole the car with his red wig is maybe linked to this tower robbery. This is where they start to be like, oh, my gosh, here's wigs. We're putting these clues together. Yeah. Car. Now, there has been nothing, nothing. <laughs> 
actually linking no evidence whatsoever. This is that hunch where they're like, you know, it probably happened. Guy stole a car. Yeah. Then a guy held up the ticket office. And when that didn't go well, he was like, I should do a different robbery that's gooder. Yeah. <laughs> no, I swear this one's more good. Yeah. This is a big place. I went there. This is a big place. So in the in chapter nine, rival detectives. It's my understanding that they don't have just just one tower, but but two, but two towers. Yowie! success. <laughs> There's some great turns of phrase that that the, that the boys explain Yowie. in these books. But uh, yeah, so we get uh, we get uh, the inner lining of the wig. Uh, Fenton Hardy does a little. Uh, Little, little investigation of the wig, yeah. which which the wig has been. We skipped over it, but earlier Callie Shaw, when they were over, was like, "Well, are you even that good a detective?" And Frank's like, "Tell you what, watch me examine this wig for clues." <laughs> and it's like this moment where it's like, "Oh, he's gonna do it!" Like, yeah, he's, a he's gonna find. And he finds no clues. Yeah, but that's like a an important, cool thing for him as a high schooler. And the police also inspected that wig, and then Fenton Hardy is looking at the wig. Uh, Got and three men with eyes on this He finds that wig. there's an inner lining, and on that is the maker's name. Boom. And I don't know how no one saw the inner yeah. lining of a wig. I don't know how you wouldn't. Yeah. it's. We talked about this. They're transparent. Yeah. Go listen to our review of Chapter 9 for our thoughts Just on silly. wig branding. If, <laughs> if you're thinking about starting a wig company, yeah. don't until you've heard our thoughts on wig company branding. Um, so rival detectives is when they cooperate with their father the whole time. <laughs> they call off the rivalry in this yeah. one. They're like, boys, they mention we the should... rivals thing in chapter eight. Then rival yeah. detectives, they are not at all rivals. No. Um, and then so uh, let's see here. At the end, the dad's like, tell you what, I'm going to New York because that's a, it's this wig maker that they found yeah. in the lining. The wig says New York City on it. The jacket says New York City on it. The hat says New York City. So they're like, you know what? I'm going to New York. So Fenton flies to New York. And the uh, and then they run into Slim again, who is now working at the uh, supermarket. Things are not going well for him. But they don't tell him that they found some clues. Well, no, they don't want to raise any false hopes. Yeah, they want him to live in yeah. despair yeah. for the time being. You're going to work there forever, Slim, they told them before they left. You're never going to do better than this. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, just put him down a little bit. This way, when they solve it, Slim is even more grateful, more in debt to the Hardys. I'm excited. Uh, as, as we're reminiscing, I'm thinking about something that we won't get to in this episode. Yeah. But I'm excited for something that happens in, like, Chapter 11 or 12 that we've already, we've already recorded the episode but it hasn't been posted yet. Yeah. I'm just excited for the boys and their poor decisions. That's all. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, chapter, uh, chapter 9... Uh, Fenton Hardy and he hasn't come back from New York he's still in New York and it ends with like would they did he find a clue like why where where is he yeah so chapter 10 turns out when they get home from school Mrs. Hardy's like your dad needs you yeah your dad needs you dad in New York. called you boys ready for the big league and to sum up this chapter they are both flown to New York and they they get an extra hotel room apart from their father. Yep. Adjoining. Joining, of course, father, yeah. But, but an extra yeah. room. Mom gives them snacks. This money they got spent, cash. Yeah, they got cash from mom. Yeah. Uh, and Fenton tells them that he went to the wig maker, and they're like, oh, yeah, we recognize this wig is made by this guy, Kaufman, who's like the best wig oh, maker Oh, he's Kaufman. In the world. I mean, you'd yeah. recognize a Kaufman wig anywhere. 
And then they're like, I, these wigs were absolutely made for this uh, actor, Harold Morley, who's Ooh. playing in this uh, Shakespeare. I wonder if he's stout. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. I think we get that. But so, uh, so they're like, that was all Frank, or that was all Fenton found out. Yeah. Because he had gone to New York, went to the wig shop, and they said, we made this for an actor. And he was like, I need backup. Flies his two sons up. <laughs> Flies his two sons up. The sons uh, get there and they go talk to this actor, and the actor says, "Like, yeah, that is that's a that's a Kaufman wig. I'd yeah, recognize, I'd recognize that." They bring anywhere. the evidence with them that they found, and he's like, "It was stolen from me. I somebody broke into my dressing room a, a while back and stole a bunch of my red wigs, a um, bunch of diamonds. Yeah, and a diamond that was sitting next to the mirror." Yeah, there were some odd things that he seemed to shoehorn yeah. in, uh, as though someone was listening. But so they they have this strange little interview where they learn nothing, and then they leave the theater. Yeah, go back into the theater through the front door and watch the play. I mean, you got to. You're there. You got to see the play. Yeah, and Just then logical. And then chapter ten ends with. They, uh, they, they go to the New York City police, and because uh, Fenton Hardy used to be a detective yeah. in New York City, he has access to all of their confidential files and of criminal course. records and stuff. Uh, and so they start looking through these files for thieves who use disguises, is essentially their search parameters. Yeah. And they find that of all the thieves that use disguises in the, in the records, only one didn't have like a a solid excuse. Yeah. Like, everyone else was, like, employed in New York at the time. Like, they were working. This they, man like, was working. Jobs, say, like, this yeah, guy's yeah, already arrested. Yeah. yeah. Except one. There was one exception. Ooh. And uh, chapter 10 ends with Frank exclaiming, I bet he's our man, but where is he now? And that's it. What a That's the first half of the book. Um, we've met Heard and Adelia Applegate. Yeah. We've met Slim Robinson. Uh, his father, uh, Henry. We've met uh, Mrs. Robinson and the sisters who are in dire straits. And the boys... Boys... One of the... I think the things that we talk about a lot is the boys don't feel a sense of urgency with this. There's a lot well, of no, like, there's a well, lot of, we, we should go play to a tennis practice. match first. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's some distractions. Let's go see this play. Yeah. Yeah, the Robinsons' <laughs> livelihood is just being whittled away yeah. by this, you know, sullied reputation... Uh, and Slim had to drop out of high school, and like things aren't going well. But let's see this play first. Yeah, uh, and then we'll we'll get back. to Hey, that when stuff. you're in New York, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, that's the first half of the book. And as we record this episode, we can say that on April the fourth, we will be yes. hosting a live podcast episode. So chapter twenty. Wow. We're halfway through chapter twenty, the thrilling conclusion. Yeah, we're going to do a live episode. And I'm very curious though if this is going to be like a Game of Thrones thing, where the real finale is on uh, the ninth episode, and chapter ten is just like a here's a recap. Let's settle things down. I'm curious if they're going to solve this in nineteen, and then twenty is like a here's what happened after they solved it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So. And, and and I I hope that there's something in chapter twenty. I hope. 20 just drops the ball. I hope it's the the big bomb. Yeah. I hope something crazy happens. There's been some crazy chapters, and I feel like in the second half of the book, now we've recorded episodes through 16 We're or 17. We're 17 now. 17 will be the we- next one we do? 
Well, or maybe regardless. we already did 17. So we, we've done more than half of yeah. the last half of the book already. And there's some real bad detective moves made. Oh, yeah. There's some You've got a lot hunches. to look forward to. Yeah, there, there's bad things coming. So I hope they do save some for Chapter 20. Yeah. Because we're going to be at the monocle in the Grove. Ooh. We're going to be on stage. Uh, and we have a couple opening acts. And oh, yeah. We'll definitely have some opening acts. And then we, got uh, a great night we will take the stage. Yeah, and we will on stage <laughs> read the, read last the chapter. chapter as we do. So <laughs> live the, the way that we do this podcast is we sit here and we read the chapter. We don't talk to each other. Yeah, and after we've both completed reading just that chapter, then we hit record and we start talking. Yes, and, and we have our, our reaction. It's it's raw. It's authentic. It's hundred percent real. Fresh. Nothing's planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we don't read ahead. Correct. So, so our whole re- we don't read like four chapters and then record four episodes. We read one chapter, we do one episode. One Another chapter, chapter, one episode. Yep. So, so that's our process. So we're going to repeat that live. We will read the final chapter and then share our reaction with it. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for crowd interaction. Oh, big time. For questions. Maybe crowd for questions. Theories. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we hope this episode was helpful in getting caught up. Yeah. Um, I was Your thinking about not. mentioning this at the beginning, but I was thinking about putting... In this episode, like uh, stock music, like noise of like a coffee shop or something like. So it sounds like we're sitting someplace recording this. Yeah. And I'd, I'd like this to be the only mention of that. Like this whole time there's sort of been like dishes clinking and it oh, sounds I like, like that. Maybe there's someplace. an airplane that goes by a few times. Oh, I can probably add yeah. that in. And then it turns into a helicopter. Hang on. Don't promise too much because I've got to go find all these sound <laughs> yeah. effects. Uh, and get this Do a few fire trucks. I like fire trucks. Fire trucks. There's this giant explosion. Like you yeah. hear like an alien warship <laughs> battle up, in the background. Build up a whole thing that's going on. It's like the start of World War Three, <laughs> which we won't have any reaction to until just yeah. now in this moment. Um, so yeah, that explains that background music you hear the whole time. We are not actually recording this live anywhere. We are in a quiet, happy yeah, it's little very room, peaceful. Um, filled but, with Japanese peace lilies everywhere. But that's the noise you hear. Wow. That's amazing. The movie magic, guys. Or I guess it's more podcast magic. Audio magic? I don't know. Something it's just like magic. That. Just magic. Yeah. It's just uh, magic. So normally we end these episodes with like a, a rhyme about the next chapter, but we already had a, a rhyme about chapter 11. But... Uh, I just hope you're excited for. Um, this isn't leading you. Oh, I see I'm, your face. I'm, I'm ready I see for your face rhyme, wanting dude. the rhyme. Come uh, on, rhyme me. Hang on, hang on. Uh, I know how this first. No. I know how this first part may make things look. But I hope you all join us for the second half of the book. Mm. Now I have to leave. I've got some Welsh rabbit to cook. But I hope everyone does enjoy the second part of this book. Nice. I piggybacked off of what you did. I appreciate that. Yeah. I was um, proud of it. I was playing chess the other day yeah. uh, with a couple people, and a guy stole my rook. And I hope you enjoy the second half of the book. <laughs> Luck. <laughs> book. <laughs> the next. There's 20 more minutes of this episode. And it's just us with anything that rhymes. Many rhymes with book, <laughs> book. Oh man, we are solid people here. No, this whole thing sort of has me shook. Oh. Is that where you were going? Uh, well, no, I didn't know how long you were going to go for it. I don't got any more rhymes. I think that's it. Is that, does anything yeah, else? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say I think you're a little bit of a crook. Mm. 
because he stole my last rhyme of this book. 